Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're talking about the gospel pandemic, part seven, delegation. Welcome back, Brian. How's it going, man? Good. We finally thawed out. I'm no yeah. more. I'm, I'm completely warmed up. So finally, hopefully, spring is here and we're done with winter. It was like 60 degrees yesterday. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. That might just be a dream, though. I'm yeah, sure that so. we're going to get another cold snap. What but... do they call that? False winter or something? Is that what they call yeah, it? Something yeah. Or like false that. spring. False spring. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll take it as it comes, but I'm enjoying the nice weather. So good, good. Well, I am too. And so hopefully you are as well, wherever you're at. Um, but today, Brian, I wanted to start us off with just asking you this question. Um, so we're talking about this idea of delegation. Is there a time where you have tried to share the gospel with somebody and something amazing happened? Yeah. Or maybe it was just a difficult situation. What, what happened? <clears throat> yeah, I remember we went to New Orleans uh, about a year or two after Katrina and we were helping, there were still people that did not have their houses rehabbed, you know, people had torn things out, but of course many of them did the, they didn't have insurance yeah. because they weren't in floodplain bef- before all this. And so they were relying on a lot of uh, volunteers and a lot of organizations to help them rebuild. And so we were in this neighborhood and this guy had pretty much gutted his house he had got they, he had teams come in to help with electrical and plumbing, and so we were coming into drywall, mm-hmm. and so we hung a whole lot of drywall that week in his house. They were living in a little trailer out in their um, in their like yard, like this little bitty like mm-hmm. they called FEMA trailers at the time. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I remember we were just talking to him, and and he was just amazed that people would, were coming to help. And we said, you know what, we're, we're Christians. This is why we do this is because we love Jesus and we want to show his love to everyone. And we had an opportunity to share the gospel and they actually, uh, they actually prayed to receive Christ Man. while we were there. Uh, we've lost touch with them since it's been several years, but you know, I just, uh, continue to pray for them. And I know that God, uh, can do an amazing work through that witness. So you never know what little act or little thing that you're doing that can really just turn the corner in somebody's mind and know, okay, this person is serving me and loving me because they love Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. And that really kind of points us to this idea of delegation in that that's what Jesus wants us to do. He has given us that responsibility to go and to do exactly what you just said so that people will turn and see who Jesus is uh, through us. And so so that's this idea. Yeah. Jesus gave us this uh, this responsibility. So that's what we're going to talk about yeah, it's today. Really, it's really important. It's almost like we say delegation. Uh, I think, again, the author of our resources doing the, the shun words, you mm-hmm. know, has to end in a T-I-O-N. But, yeah, that's right. You know, it's really like a, a passing off of the mission or or a call uh, commissioning to be sent really is kind of how I'm looking at this. Yeah, it's definitely uh, our role in God's mission in the world yeah. is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and I think one one really key thing we have to understand is God delights in using people. Why is this so important for us to understand? Well, and that really answers the question of why God would do this. I mean, that's just the, the answer. Like, why does God use people to 
seek and save the lost. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because he loves uh, to do that. Throughout the whole Bible and church history, God loves using people, broken people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not to say that he only works through people. He And, and of course, we know he doesn't have to. He doesn't have exactly. to use people, but he wants to use people. And I think when we are a part of something amazing, something big, it means that God gets the glory. It's really hard to take credit for, you know, I think of like a story like Gideon with his 300 soldiers taking on the Midianites. It's hard for Gideon to really get the glory because God did a work there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think about uh, Peter when he stood up and 3,000 people were saved. Once again, God gets the glory for that. Yeah, he's using these, and that's where it comes down to is this idea of, God working in our weakness. God, mm. you know, I love to say God loves to promise impossible things mm. and then do it. Yeah. And God loves to to take the weakest and the the least uh, idyllic person and then do something amazing through them because uh, it's just it's just so amazing. And so in Second Corinthians uh, chapter twelve nine and ten, he actually says uh, Paul is writing. He says, "But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." That's convicting to me, yeah. Because I don't like being weak. Well, but I think Paul's there, saying I need to be weak so that God, so that I can experience more God. I think there's a pride in us that wants to say we can accomplish things, we can do things, and what he's saying is, uh, God is glorified even in our weakness. So yeah. we don't have to puff ourselves up with pride and say we're this and that, and I can do this and I can do that. We can say God can work through me and in me. And God gets the glory, even though I may not, you know, I, I'm I'm weak in myself. Right. And but we get to be a part of experiencing that glory of God. I mean, we the only way for us to experience God's glory is to humbly in our weakness submit ourselves under it. And so I love like what you're saying about this is just being a part of what God's doing. Yeah. Uh, it's so awesome that he loves to do that. Yeah. And really God using us, that's included in, in his mission to save humanity. Right. Jesus was on a mission to save souls and he calls us to join him in that. That task has been delegated to us. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. We are called to be, witnesses of Christ. He gave us this task and he says, go and do it. It's our responsibility. It's not just God. It's not God saying, hey, this is a good idea if you want to. Hey, come over here if you want to. It's it's now a role and responsibility that we all as Christians have. Yeah, there's some really familiar passages and everyone knows these, you know, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This is what he tells his disciples. We know the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Um, then he says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What is that telling us? It's pretty significant that multiple, multiple times in 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 various ways, communicating the same thing that Jesus was telling his disciples. Hey, this is your job now. Go tell people about what I've done for them. 
Like that's the task we are supposed to be doing this. That's a huge deal that that's a major component. I mean, those are three. So Mark, Matthew, Acts. So Matthew, Luke, and Mark are three different authors saying the same thing. Guys, this is super important paramount to what it means to be a Christian. It's not optional. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Jesus said, Hey, go be my witnesses if you feel like it. Right. Or if you want to, it says, this is, this is a part of our faith. This is a part of what we do. We make disciples, we share the gospel. Uh, and that's, that's a part of our faith. I do think that there are many Christians that treat this as sort of optional. Why, why have we gotten to this point? Man, that's a good question. I think Sometimes it's just because it's, you know, it's almost like an excuse. It's easier to to discount something that's hard if you think of it as an option instead of a, a responsibility. It's like, I, I could do that if I want to. No, it's, a, it's what you're supposed to do. So it's easier to ignore it. Um, I think that there are times throughout history that uh, we as the church have not really helped people get this understanding, to really understand that this is the case. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think that the church has fostered this misconception in, in for a long time. It, you know, it's not, let me say this. It's not bad for us to tell people, come and see, come right. and, come and hear the preaching, come to church, come to events, come to, um, you know, evangelistic outreaches. Uh, you know, we have, uh, what do you call it when like a, like a crusade or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah. Those things aren't bad, but Revivals. if that is our only evangelism strategy, yeah. that's, that's not good. Yeah. You know, the church has really pushed this come and see and Jesus pushes a go and tell yeah. model. Yeah. And so what we need to be doing is preaching the word to the church and encouraging the church to say, Hey, we must go into the world and tell them the gospel. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have helped foster this by not, not empowering, not training, not encouraging Christians to go into the world and tell. Man, that's that's. Uh, so I just did our midweek Bible study um, uh, video for our church, and in that I was just talking about what, how do you become more like Christ? And the idea is you have to be equipped. You have to be given what you need so that you can grow up in your Christian faith. And so you can do what you're called to do. And so that's what we as a church, you know, and you and I talk about this a lot with the families and and students and kids. Our primary idea in ministry is to equip the parents to minister to their children. We're here to minister to their children. That's, you know, we do that. But we're, we want to equip the parents because you are the ones who have them. And so you have this, this job, this responsibility to be a witness of Christ to your kids. And, and we have to, you and I, Brian, have to make sure that we don't let people think that um, we'll take care of it for you. Don't, don't worry about it. We got this. No, we're a team here. We work together and we want to help you do this better. Yeah, yeah we've got to all parents... Uh, any every Christian, we've got to take this call very serious and understand that Jesus is. Uh, this is really, really, really important. This is this is seminal to to what he did yeah. and what he was about. Yeah. And so, if all we're saying is I receive Christ and I live a my life for Christ in a sense of like my own sanctification, right, right. That's not all of living out the gospel. Right. That's just part of it. Like I'm a super holy person, but I don't ever talk to somebody else about it. Like you're still missing a big. You're. I mean, you can easily be a Pharisee that way. Right. And and the church is not helped by you know we we think we prefer 
professionalized the preaching of the gospel as well. Right. You know, whereas only pastors or teachers or really spiritual people are people that are sharing the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's this is a, this is the job of every Christian. Yep. Whether you are an introvert, an extrovert, whether you're a teacher or not a teacher, yeah. Jesus did not qualify this. There are offices and roles in the church, right? but Jesus did not qualify this part of it. Yeah. He said, everyone must go it's, and tell. Yep. Everyone is a witness. Those offices are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to do what we're talking about right here, to share the gospel. Right. Um, so there's a really good passage in Matthew where Jesus, so this is the idea of delegation. So Jesus is showing his disciples for like a year or more um, what he is doing. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's the king. He's here. Yeah. And uh, and the disciples are seeing this. They're shadowing him this there's whole like time. There's like a training period. Yeah. And then he says... Your turn. Right. And he says, okay, now you guys are going to go do this. And he sends them out. So what are some observations we yeah, can get Yeah, so from we start in Luke 9, and he says, He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. Okay, then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Yeah. So it's not that their primary purpose was to... Um, you know, cast out demons or cure disease. It was to proclaim the kingdom. Right. Those These... were just signs of the the fact the kingdom is here. Right, right. And then we go into Matthew chapter 10, and really throughout the entire uh, chapter, Matthew 10, as he sends out his disciples, you know, again, they're to show signs and wonders. But really, this is the idea of serving people, having compassion yeah. on people. So that's why they heal. Yeah. That's why they cast out demons. They're not just doing magic tricks. Like, look how cool we are. Right. They're like helping people's real needs here. Right. Yeah, they're showing point. off the power of Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so we really can't underestimate you know, in our own lives, this is so important when we go. This is why Christians for a long time have been involved in compassion ministries, yeah. involved in serving ministries. I mean, we used to um, run the hospitals and the orphanages. Right. And we those start, Christians started type those of things yeah. because it was an outreach. That's right. It was a way <laughs> to serve our community, to show the gospel. Yeah. And uh, that, that idea should still exist. We still need to be serving our community and finding ways to show people compassion. Isn't it interesting how in some ways we've professionalized witnessing and in other ways we've also professionalized compassion. Right. It's like, uh, you know, well, you got car insurance, so they'll take care of it. Or mm -hmm. you got, you know, health insurance. So you just go to the hospital and a professional will take care of your needs. And that's been, I've been convicted of that lately. Yeah. Um, they, they were sent into Israel, right? So they were sent to God's people, but that was a temporary thing. And that was on purpose because ultimately the point was for uh, the kingdom of God to come and be rejected so that it could then spread to the entire world. Yeah. I don't want people to read this and get a misconception. You have to read this in context of the entire you know mm -hmm. Bible. So verses five and six, when he sends them just to Israel, that's the beginning, right? That's the starting exactly. point. Exactly. But then it's opened wide to every, every person on right. the whole earth later on. Yeah. Because it's the kingdom of heaven, you know, and the kingdom of Israel through the whole old Testament is a symbol really of this, right. uh, this idea of, of God's rule and reign over his people and the kingdom of heaven is what has come. And that's the gospel in verse seven. He's they're They're supposed to proclaim the gospel, the good news that the King has come. And that's for all people, all tribes, tongues, and languages. Yeah. And it's a little different than maybe they thought this Messiah, 
Messiah is not there to rescue them from Roman rule, which is what what the Jews wanted. Right. It's to save their souls and and rescue them from the bondage of hell and from sin and from Satan. And so, you know, they're here to proclaim the gospel. It's like the gospel is at hand. Yes. It's there. And really you can sense sort of an urgency in their preaching. The Messiah has come. You know, I always think about this. Why don't we have the same fervor, the same urgency in the way we think about sharing and witnessing, sharing the gospel? I think a lot of it is just, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'll be honest. I think it's because of a lack of, a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Mm. It's because we are not, and, and and I have to, I'm, I'm talking to myself when we don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, we don't take seriously the things that he takes seriously. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's uh, like, you're not complete. Like your faith is just a component or a part of your right, life. Right. Instead of it being the, 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 the primary, the, thing. the primary thing. Yeah. And Jesus, and we'll see later on, Jesus calls us to make, allegiance to him, allegiance to the gospel, number one over yeah. everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, why don't you like husbands? Why, why don't we do, you know, some of the things around the house that maybe we ought to be doing? Well, sometimes it's because our relationship with our wife might not be the way it needs to be. And so when you see that, these are not, these are just signs to tell us, Hey, got to get something right here. And it's not just do better. It's go back to Christ. Yes. It's fix the relationship. That's huge. Yep. And so, and that's part of, you know, so Jesus actually told them in verses nine and 10 that that's the whole point. They need to be resting in God's provision, resting in God and their relationship with Him. They weren't supposed to take material possessions. They weren't supposed to rely on anything else. Yeah, they weren't charging for their preaching. Yeah. Uh, we know that that's, that was something from the beginning that that they were against, you know, the gospel is a free thing. We're yeah. not just, we're not offering this truth, uh, this life changing truth at a cost. It's, it's a, it's a free message, That's a free right. gift that God gives to all mankind. And right. so we are, um, knowing that God takes care of us. And, and really this is interesting in verses 13 and 14, the disciples were to focus on receptive people. Yeah. So they would go to a city, they would find who's receptive to the message Mm -hmm. and really target and not to fight with people that are not receptive. In fact, if there was a house or a city, they were to shake the dust from their feet, which is sort of like a... Like a like a washing of your hands, what right. we would say, like like you're 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 kind of done with them because right. they've rejected the message. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Jesus elsewhere said, "Don't throw your pearls before swine." And and you know, we I think that's a big problem with Christians today is we do two things: we like to fight, um, which that is like totally not following Christ's. Uh, example. And we think that uh, we need to constantly go after people who are openly and fully just totally against what we're saying. Or even antagonistic. Antagonistic, yeah. yeah. And it's like, we don't need to further antagonize them. Right. That's not what Christ has called us to do. Um, Like, we pray for them, we we love them. We need to stand on truth and always stand on our convictions and our beliefs of the Word. Not compromising. But we don't need to go pick fights. We need to find those, preach the gospel to those that are receptive and focused. Why would you waste your time beating your head against the wall against someone who Oh, constantly rejects the message. Now that doesn't mean we don't pray for them. Well, that doesn't mean that that we that we don't continue right. to put that message out there for them to hear. Right. But I need to focus my time and energy on someone that's going to be receptive and and hear it and want 
to follow Christ and want to be discipled. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's like being in a burning building and there are people inside and you come to somebody and and you try to you try to pick them up and, and help them get out of the house and they just start punching you in the face because they're like, there's not a fire. There's not a fire. You need to leave me alone. And you're like looking around. The place is burning down. You don't understand. And so you can waste your time just fighting that person the whole time or you could save the kid that's in the next room. You could go and actually do uh, what needs to be done um, because what? if they're just going to fight you the whole time, you're not going to get anywhere. What an analogy. That was good. That I was off so. the top of your head. Yeah. Illustrations with Brian. I hope it wasn't a waste of time. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not at all. I love it. I love it. Awesome. So then we talk that we're told in 16 through 25 to expect persecution. Yeah. Mm. Man, this is a powerful passage. We are, Jesus straight up told them, because the world hates me, hates Jesus, they're going to hate you. Yeah. They're going to hate your message because you are a Christian. And really, Brian, this makes so much sense because how how much for, for, for no other reason in all of church history have we seen Christians persecuted for the simple fact that they're believers? Yeah. It's just, yeah, you can, you, you affirm the name of Jesus or anything holy and godly and people hate you. I mean, they, they hate you. That's right. Um, and really our Lord and Savior Jesus suffered persecution. So yeah, why we're in good we, company. Yeah. Why do we think we're not going to face anything, any persecution? I'm, I'm really trying to wrestle with that myself because I've just grown up, you know, we've grown up as Americans, especially just are used to it being kind of a respectable thing that you're a Christian. That's a good and holy thing. And the last like five, 10 years, even that has fully changed. Uh, we're in a country that is hostile to the gospel, and there's a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, well, you're just, you know, you're just a persecutionist. You think that, you know, everything's persecution." No, I don't. But I'm not an idiot to think that uh, people aren't hostile to the gospel now. They are, and that's okay. That's what Jesus said is going to happen, and so I'm not freaked out about it. Well, that's why in the next passage he says he told them not to have fear. That's right. He said, "Hey, the, it's like the world's <laughs> going to hate you. <laughs> don't you're, worry about it. You're going to be persecuted, <laughs> but don't have fear. You're yeah. in God's hands." And I love what he says here because he says they can only kill the body. <laughs> now I know that sounds like crazy, oh, but when you have an eternal perspective right. and you're thinking, he's saying, "Don't fear man, fear, fear God. God, because God has the power to kill Amen. the body and the soul." And so what he's saying is don't, you know, have this holy fear of God. Yeah. So like our mission to follow God, our allegiance to God is so much more important right. than anything a person can do to us. That's right. Well, and you're not going to do, you're not going to take up your responsibility if you don't fear God. And that's right. what he's saying. Like, like this is your job. You got to do it, even though these other things are going to happen. Don't and you're, worry and you're about in God's it. hands, no matter what. That's right. Even if you do die, you're in God's yeah, hands. Yeah. It's like somebody said, who says it where they say, uh, you know, your bullet, pastor Allen says this a lot. I'm bulletproof until yeah, God calls me right. home. And it's like, man, that is encouraging. Yeah. Like nothing can stop you until God says it's time. That's right. So just go for it. And, uh, and don't worry. Um, he says, uh, that, uh, we need to call people to a decision. In verses 34 through 39, he tells them to to really um, call people to a decision and know that it's going to cause division between people. Yeah, this is interesting. He talks a lot about um, this causing divisions in families. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is the part of the passage in 34 through 39, where he says your allegiance to Jesus has to be greater than anything, even your own family. Right. So if you have a family that is not believing that, that, yeah. that will not, that, that is 
persecuting you right. because of your faith. Don't worry because your allegiance to Christ, you have a yeah. new family in Christ. Well, and here, and here's a, here's a thought behind this. Um, you know, if you knew of a family, a lot of people are like, Oh, well, I don't want to cause problems in people's families. So I'm not going to like stir up trouble. Okay. So if you knew of a family where like, let's say the dad, uh, would not give his children water ever, like they could never drink. Okay. Um, we would call that abuse. And we would say, get the kids out of the house. We wouldn't mince words. We would just jump into action. Okay. When there's a family and and there are people hostile to the gospel, we need to understand there is spiritual abuse going on there. There are people who are keeping people from the gospel. And I'm thinking of particularly um, a certain religious uh, religion and areas in the world where we know that if they turn to the faith in Christ, then their family will completely disown them, maybe even kill them. Um, well... It's better for them to have the water of life than to be spiritually abused for right. the rest of their lives. Yeah, and and this is where you know this is one of those really hard sayings of Jesus because he's saying, "Listen, your your allegiance to me goes over even your family," That's and, right. and it's hard for us to reconcile that. These are one of these things that we need to really think on and meditate on. But you know, yeah, we, there are right, there are wise ways to do this. Right, you and don't come, be callous about we, it. We come to a point though, if if there is a tension in our family, that we've got to we've got to follow Christ and do what He's called us to do, over over anything else. Yeah, and you know that that is the. Uh, it's difficult. It's it, yeah. It can be difficult, and and that's where we have to pray for strength and encouragement and faith throughout our walk. That's that is so hard, and some of our listeners might be out there and be like, "Yeah, you can say that all you want, but wait until you live it." Well, there are some ways in which we have lived this for sure. I mean, we have family members who don't know Christ, and and we love them. We love them. We do everything in our power to be at peace with them, mm-hmm. and um, so we're not causing problems, um, but we are never going to back down from our love for Christ. Right, and that's the thing. The, and, and this is a little bit. This is made a little bit easier as you move on to the last section yeah, in forty exactly. and. 42 because we're to be focused on the reward and, and the reward is not in this life it's it's eternal life in the presence of our lord and so yeah. not to think that we're doing all this to get a reward we already have the reward right but we're called to join christ in the mission so we can bring other people this eternal life and that we can have this sort of heavenly mindset yeah the, the way i think about this and my honestly in my prayer life is just to say you know sometimes i just ask god is this worth it and he just reminds me like Yes, it's worth it. You just you just might not see it right now. Um, just know you're gonna know that this is worth it. You're gonna experience just how much worth it this is. Maybe a little bit in this life, but but when I come back, when it's time, like you're gonna feel how worth it is. The reward is in heaven. That's good. Uh, it's in the new heavens. Yeah, new I, earth. I would encourage people to look through. Uh, read Matthew chapter 10. The whole chapter is so good, and, and it focuses on Jesus' teaching as they're being sent out. It's very specific and has these specific messages for us. You know, there's a sister passage in Mark uh, chapter 6, and uh, we see they're sent out two by two. And I just yeah. thought that was interesting to point out because I, I don't know, what, what do you think Jesus' rationale would be to send people out two by two instead of each disciple by themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, just practically speaking, we're there for each other. We, you know, we're build, we're able to build each other up, keep each other accountable. I mean, I can't tell me how many times uh, people go out by themselves and just get lost in the world, right? Um, but I think there is a spiritual aspect there where, you know, where two or more are gathered. There I am also. So Jesus is saying, you know, like I am with 
the believers who are are together on mission for me. Yeah, and that really reminds me that, uh, you know, as we, you know, oftentimes we think about this this call to evangelize as the solo mission that we're on. Yeah. And you know, I don't think Jesus ever meant that. It's not like, yeah, you have a personal mission, but you know, it's one of these things that we've got to join together as a church and do these things together and help each other and encourage one another uh, together. It's not a solo mission. We're on a joint, our church is on a joint mission to reach our community. I think that's that's a really good point. And you see that, you know, also in the fact that he sent out the 12, but later on uh, in Luke 10, it says that he commissioned the 70 to go. Right. And so really you just kind of see this circle of delegation getting wider and wider. There's more and more people being involved in this mission yeah. and we have to do it uh, in concert with each other. Yeah. And we are counted in this now. The mission has been passed to us. And we are we are sent. I love what um, the author says here in our book. He says Christian disciples are sent men and women sent out in the same work of of world evangelism to which the Lord was sent and for which He gave His life. Evangelism is not an optional accessory to our life. It is the heartbeat of all that we are called to be and do. It is the commission of the church. That gives meaning to all else that is undertaken in the name of Christ. Yeah. That's powerful right there. That's telling us that if we are not going, if we are not preaching, if we are not sharing the gospel, we are not fulfilling the mission that Jesus has set before us. Yeah, we're really not living out the gospel because Jesus was proclaiming the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand and he was he because he was there. And so if we're not proclaiming the gospel, we're we're actually not really living out the implications of the gospel. We're not really being affected by it ultimately. Yeah, we kind of treat it like it's an idealistic sort of mission. Like yeah. we we talk about it, we teach about it, we we think about it. It's like in theory, but we've got to give real action steps. Yeah. We've got to put legs on this thing and and hands and go and do the actual work. We can't just talk about it. Right. And that's where delegation just is the rubber meeting the road. And mm-hmm. so we we have to, to think about how to do that. There are some action steps that we can be taking. Yeah. You know, I would really commend everyone. There's a book that I read. It's called How to Give Your Faith Away by Paul Little. And it's a really practical book. And I would encourage people to read that if you're struggling in the area. I mean, I'm telling it is very practical. It's like how to start a conversation with people type stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that stuff is very helpful because I will be honest, sharing your faith can be a little nerve wracking. It can be, it can cause anxiety and fear and all of these things. And the only way to get better at it though, is to do it. Is to do it. Have you ever tried something new before and you're just really nervous because, you know, for whatever reason, you just, you don't know how to do it. You don't know if you're doing it right. You're, it's just, it's new. Right. But once you do things for a while, you've done it for a while, you're, you're getting, you're, you're getting familiar with it. It becomes second nature. That's right. Well, and part of it is, you know, I mean, in anything, you have to take things one step at a time and you got to make sure you're taking the next step, but, but you need to do it one step at a time. Yeah. A couple things that are good action steps. First of all, we just need to pray. Yeah. Ask God to put people in your way that you can share your faith with, you know, that you can be outspoken with right. your faith. 
uh, you'll find as you pray though, it's, you know, you'll be asking God to put people in and then you'll realize like, Oh, there already are people there. Right. He'll be showing them to Yeah. You. Help me to realize. Yeah. It. That's yeah. a lot of it too. So, so you then know, then you it's I, both. Yeah. Then you identify people. Right. And this doesn't mean that the first time you identify somebody, you go share the gospel, but you just think in your mind, okay, I am seeing this person my coworker, for instance, I'm seeing them every day. So I'm going to begin to pray for them and for opportunities to share. So you're praying, yep. you identify, identify. Well, you hold, pray some more. Well, you pray some more, but hold on. Like a part, one thing I just want to add is a part of identifying, like, don't just think about it. I, I want to really give like super clear action step, concrete, write it down. Mm. Like, I know that that's obvious, but maybe somebody's listening and they didn't think to write it down. I'm telling you. Think about some people, write them down, make a list of people that God has brought to your mind because you will forget Yeah, because the enemy will come in there. He'll distract you. He'll do whatever he can. But if it's on a piece of paper, um, you know, it's there. And yeah, so, put it somewhere. You're going to see it every day. That's right. And then when you pray some more, you can pray through that list that you have. Right. That's a good idea. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. And then, and then as you begin to, you're building that relationship, you begin to talk. Right. And you, yeah, have, you can't you, just stop it praying for them. You have to talk and you have to be open about your faith, sharing your, just your life, sharing those things that are important to you. I mean, we, we share the most random things, you know, we'll talk about important stuff in our life, whether what, you know, me and you would talk about working out or we're mm-hmm. talking about WandaVision or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like it can start with the we most meaningless things. We need to talk about our faith and just right. be open with, man, I was at church the other day. My pastor preached this awesome sermon, man. It, it convicted me or whatever, you know, right. whatever the conversation is, be open about your life yes. and what God is doing in your life. And yep. then And then ultimately you have to share the gospel. That's right. You have to get to the point to where you can say, Hey friend, let me, you know, can I, can I share with you something that I think is really important? And that transition is hard and difficult, but we've got to get there. We've got to ask them if we can share this truth with them. Well, and they're going to know after this process that you've been walking through these steps, these action steps that you've been taking and the, and God just working in that and all you're praying, they're going to know as you come up to them and say, hey, I have something important to share. They're going to know that you're not just being a jerk. Right. They're going to know that you actually care about them because you, you've taken the time to get to know them. They know you. Um, you really do care about them. Right. And now they might get offended and, and just be upset. That's Jesus said that happens. Um, but this is probably the best way to go about doing it. Yeah. And then finally, you need to elicit a response. That's a lot right. of times Christians uh, miss this part. They leave, you know, they will, they will share the gospel and just say, okay, sound good. You know, it's, it's, you know, we need to, we need to share the gospel and then say, is this something yeah. that what do you think about that? Is this something that yeah. you want to believe or, yeah. or take action on, you know? Yeah. And, you know, as we think about sharing, you know, we didn't really get into much of that, but there is a really good witnessing strategy, which we've used at church here called the three circles. Now, Brian, I'm not a big fan of witnessing strategies. I I've been trained in many of them, right? They, they are good knowledge, but they don't, they don't ultimately help me uh, witness or, or put myself out there. You know, they're just good to know when you get into the actual conversation, they're a good way to outline or organize your thoughts, but they can come across sort of cold, uncaring, sort of cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, too simplistic as if it's real. Okay, so if this is so, this is one thing, if like, if it's so simple, how is it that big of a deal, right? Right. And that's the thing, knowing the message, as you were kind of talking about this before, I was just thinking, knowing the message of the gospel 
is way more important than knowing a strategy. A strategy can help you, like you said, organize your your understanding of the gospel and the way that you talk about it, but it's really about knowing the message. Mm-hmm. That's the way you communicate is by knowing what you want to say and then just saying it as clearly as you can. Yeah, you know, as you look at uh, the example of Christ throughout the entire gospels, he introduced people to the gospel message through their life circumstances through, through different ways. Yeah. Different. Yeah. He was telling good. them good. the truth of the gospel. The message was the same, but how he led up to the gospel, it was so different. You right. think of the woman at the well, he talked about living water. You know, he talked about uh, the bread of, you know, I'm the bread of life when they're, when they're feeding 5,000. Right. And he talked about how he's healing people yeah. and, and, you know, you're healed. The, the, the man who was uh, dropped through the roof, you know, is yeah. it easier to forgive your sins or tell you to walk? Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, he used different, he never, he never used the same road to get to that truth. So why would we not look at someone's life circumstances and think about what's going on in their life? Because I'll tell you, Brian, I, I firmly believe that most people are walking around with some sort of brokenness or yes. hurt because they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, we've talked about having a God shaped hole right. and they're trying to fill it with everything else. Right. I believe that most people are like that. You just have to peel back the layers and, and uncover what that brokenness is. Yeah. In a Bible study that we're doing with the students, uh, Matt Chandler is talking about the, this idea of all these broken ideas, these things that are happening in your lives. We think that those are the big problems, but really they're symptoms of a bigger problem. And so, in one sense, the answer is always the same. It's always the gospel, but but it, it it's applied in the different felt areas, yeah. right? We feel our brokenness in certain specific ways. And so, you know, one of the things I'm going to rant for a second, one of the things I can't stand is when um, like Mormons and, and, you know, if you're a listener and you are a Mormon, have Mormon family, I don't know, like, like I love Mormons. I, I will talk to them all the time. But what I hate is when they come to me with a bullet point list of the exact, I know the conversation that mm. we're going to have. I know it, back, like the back of my hand, because every time I talk to somebody, it's the same exact thing. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, They don't care about me. It's just, hey, believe what I say right now. Yeah. And that's not what we're well, doing. I found that that when I've tried to engage uh, a Jehovah's Witness or, or a Mormon or somebody like that, they don't want to talk to me because I am a Christian. I do go to church. I know my faith. Right. And they don't want to engage that. They're looking for people that don't know what they believe. That's right. Just uh, here, just uh, look at this bullet point list of things and then sign here, you know? Right. Like, exactly. Uh, that's not what we're but doing. But here's the reason why we like the three circles, because it was designed to be a relational discussion based on someone's life circumstances. Exactly. And really it was meant to, to the, the idea that when they formed this gospel strategy was to say, hey, let's go out to eat. And then I'm going to write this gospel strategy on a napkin, a yep. paper napkin. Don't yep. use the cloth napkin at the restaurant. <laughs> you have to pay for that. But I'm going to use the uh, paper napkin and I'm going to share the gospel with you. And it's really simple. It's three circles, three arrows. And I would encourage everyone. There's, there are resources online. There are videos. There's a little book you can get called turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations by Jimmy Scroggins and Steve Wright. I would uh, encourage everyone to read this book. Why I'll link the videos in our uh, description here because in, in the website, because I think it's that important, but it's basically, you start with a circle, God's design. There's an arrow that says sin, you know, God's design has been broken by sin. Mm-hmm. It leads to another circle, which is brokenness. brokenness. We talked about that. We all have brokenness. And then there's a circle that, or there's an arrow that leads to the next circle, which is repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. So we're, we're knowing the gospel truth. 
uh, we're being saved, and that is enabling us to repent and believe in Jesus. And that's where the salvation is found. And then the last arrow goes back to God's design. So it kind of makes like a, a, big, a big circle. circle. Yeah. And that last arrow says recover and pursue. So we're recovering and pursuing God's design through sanctification and ultimately with God in the eternal state. And that's really, I mean, that's what's great about this is it's really just a way to remember and communicate the gospel message to people in their particular uh, problems, their particular uh, struggles and, and whatever they're going through, you have thought through a way to do this and you can even draw it out for people. I mean, it really helps to see something drawn out. I know it does for me anyways. Um, and so that's super important. And like you said, we're going to link this stuff so people can see this even more clearly. Um, but as we are thinking through this and kind of starting to land the plane, what does this mean for family. Mm. So we've been talking about this as our, this is what we're all supposed to, every Christian is supposed to do this. But as we dig into what this looks like in families, what is it, what do you think it looks like? Yeah. I mean, we've got to think about our children like arrows. Uh, this goes back to Psalm 127. You know, it says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior are yeah. children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not to he will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. What do you that. think it means that children are arrows? Man, I, I remember I was, I was studying about religion, world religions and things. And I, and I remember hearing somebody say, there's a particular religion that is growing faster than any other. And the reason why is because they have tons of children in their mm. families. And, and for whatever reason, God just, I immediately thought of this text and it was like arrows. I mean, what are arrows? They're, they're a weapon of warfare that gets shot out away. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I see parents holding onto the kids with everything they've got mm. and God's like, well, they're, they're arrows. And, uh, and they're the way that God uses, that's one very big way that God uses us to make a huge impact on the world is through our family, yeah. our children. Yeah, an arrow is meant to be launched. That's and right. so we as parents launch our children into the world so they can make an impact and in influence their circles. for Christ. Amen. So, I mean, we can't, it, we don't keep the arrows in the quiver. Right. They're meant to be shot. They're meant to go out there. And, and when we say weapons, we don't mean like, they're, right, they're right, right, right. We're not weapon. training, yeah, soldier, like military people. But they are weapons in the gospel mission. That's right. In the sense of they're out there making an influence, making a difference for Christ. And if we think of our children like that, it is going to be a different sort of mindset because now you're preparing them to go out on their own, to live on their own as Christians and, 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 share that message with everyone that they can. And and that's a big deal. If we're preparing them, one of the things I think we do as parents is we talk our kids to death. And uh, I know I, I'm probably going <laughs> to wrestle with that. Um, but we need to ask ourselves a question, what are we delegating to them? Are we giving them anything of significance in their faith? Age appropriate, but are yeah. we are we helping them to, to do actual things yeah. that Christians do? Um, so that they can do that as their adults. Yeah. It's know? interesting that this idea of influencing your children, you know, raising them up in a Christian in a Christian way with a Christian <laughs> mindset worldview, it's sort of out of fashion. Have you noticed this at all? 100%. And, you know, I was thinking of this, Brian, like you've got some older kids, and so you guys have done this for a while, and you kind of, I'm assuming you probably have kind of your your kind of parenting um, philosophy kind of 
done, right? And so you have a younger kid, but I'm just assuming like you guys know what you're doing. Um, I you don't know, know about that. Well, okay, <laughs> within reason, you know, relatively know what you're doing. Uh, nobody ever really does, but you know, we're just we're still like our oldest is two, and so we're really like seeing where where people are at when it mm-hmm. comes to dealing with particular sure. problems, and it's amazing. It's amazing how many people out there don't want you to influence your kid at all. Yeah. It's like you're not allowed to to do anything that might you know engage your kid and help them to think through yeah. problems in their lives. Yeah, there's it's it's fashionable to say, well, let your kids believe what they want, let them grow and let them have their own faith. But here's what we don't realize. They will be influenced <laughs> by someone. Yeah. That's just whether, naive. whether it's going to school. Right. And they're influenced and, and nothing against public school or schools. I love it. But here's the thing. We've taken religion out of school, which is fine because we don't know what religion they would be teaching in school if it was there. Um, But we've taken religion out of school. So, so what happens is you get this sort of this humanistic uh, natural sort of sort of thinking that comes if you don't, if they don't have the underpinnings of faith of a Christian faith, they will end up with this humanistic naturalistic mindset. That, that is so true. And I'll just, you know, to kind of pin in that as well, the question that you're really asking is, okay, if the parents aren't influencing the kids, then who is, is it, because somebody is right. Is it pop culture? Is uh-huh. it media? Yes. Is it school? Is it, you know, what, what is influencing them? And I guarantee you, no one is going to be pushing them towards Christ in most of these circles. Not in the world that we're living in right now. And so to say, I'm going to let them believe what they want and grow up, then you're basically saying they're going to believe whoever captures the their attention, says. whatever the world says. Yeah. And ultimately, we know that the, the underpinnings of what the world believes is influenced by the devil. Yeah. And so if you're not influencing them, I mean, the logic follows. If we're not influencing then Satan them, is. then Satan is. And so we've got That's to take seriously our role as parents to influence our children for the Lord and know that we are, of course, as they become adults, they do make their own decisions. Absolutely. But I want to give my kids a foundation of the Bible, of yeah. what it means to be a believer. And then they can, as they become an adult, then they can make their own decisions. Right. But in my, to the best of my ability, I'm going to influence them for Christ. Right. And we've not, you know, we've talked about legalism and we talked about all this. We're talking about doing this the right way in love and, and grace and mercy with expectations and discipline, all this other stuff. So we're not negating any of that. We're just saying we can't disengage from influencing our kids and then delegating to them as they're growing up. We've got to give them these responsibilities as they're growing up um, so yeah. that they know how to do it. So what are some real practical ways we can get our, we can influence our children in this way, specifically in evangelism and discipleship? What do get, you think? Get involved in missions, like do something missions uh, minded, uh, serve in the food pantry, yeah, uh, it go could be on local, a mission trip. It, uh, it could be in your neighborhood. Yeah. Start and start, start your own mission. Just do something, invite your neighbors over uh, to, to just have them over. Nobody ever does that anymore. So invite your neighbors over for, for meals from time to time. Yeah, find ways to serve people people, uh, you know, that once again, it's those serving, it's those compassion ministries that yeah. can lead to the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, show your kids intentionally how you share your faith. How yeah. are you sharing your faith? Right. They won't do it if we don't do it. That's right. And so we've got to be sharing the gospel. We've got to make this a priority. We've also got to pray for the lost and pray for missionaries. Just make this a part of your normal prayer that you are praying for people in your life that you know of that, that need to know the Lord. Uh, you know, find 
find other people you can pray for that are sharing their faith, that are going on mission, and make that a part of of just your daily sort of life. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, one thing that we can be doing is talking to them about their friends. You know, we're Mm. showing them these things, and and we're showing them how we're doing it, but we're also talking to them about their friends, and then we need to give them witnessing advice. I'll, I'll be honest, like that was one of the things my parents did with me and it helped me so much because I didn't know how to do any of this. Yeah. Um, and you know, I saw my parents doing it. I saw other people doing it and it was cool, but I still needed help right. doing that mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Yeah. Teach them about our faith. Uh, why, why the gospel, why is it so important? That's you know, right. talk to them about these types of things, you know, even as practical as teaching them what the three circles means. Exactly. You know, you learn it and show it, show it to your family. It's exciting. It's fun, you know, and it can be a part of how you influence your children for the gospel. That's right. And so, you know, that's the thing. Jesus delegated the mission to us. And so no matter where you're at in your life, parent, grandparent, single, um, wherever you're at, uh, this is our mission to be a witness for Christ in the kingdom of God. And we're supposed to go proclaim it. It's our job. Uh, we can't ignore this. Yeah, this is not optional. We must take up this mission. You know, we must answer the call. It is the most important thing we can do as a believer is to share our faith. It is, Brian. I'm just telling you, this is it's convicting for me. Yeah, you know, same. I, uh, you know, we've all got to find ways to be more open and more outspoken about our faith. It, this is the thing that will make the difference in someone's life. You know, I'm so thankful that someone took time to help me understand and know the gospel that, that there were people that discipled me. I'm just so thankful. And, you know, to be able to do that in someone else's life to help someone else would be, it is, it's happened to me before, but I need to continue to press into that. It is monumental. It's amazing. Absolutely. And so we just hope and pray that you will um, join us as we are striving forward and convicting ourselves in this yep. truth um, to take up the call and to and to take up these resources and to then just do it. Right. And so let's go and do what God has called us to yeah. do. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to continue. We have a few more episodes talking about this. We're getting very practical. We're into some really practical stuff. So do us a favor, uh, share us. Let us yeah. let other people know that we're we're doing this. We want to encourage. Uh, believers and let this message get out to as many people as possible so amen well thanks for joining us and we'll we'll see see you next next time. time advice I have for you. Just stop it. (laughs) Just stop. You find yourself in sin all of the time, not being able to control yourself and get free. Just stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Just get over it. What do you, is is like, it's hard or something. Is it hard? Is this difficult? I don't know. (laughs) This is our advice for everyone. Stop it. It's a great podcast. Very helpful. (laughs) Super encouraging.